Thoughts high, spite lights like a lightning strike. Left in the doubt will turn my spine on your mic. Thundercrats gives you a fright, your plight sealed all night. Light the candle. The bit of power in is more than you can handle. No video game enemies to strangle. You see, if you unplug this society, there would be many people staring at an empty screen. Saying, what does it all mean? Get out and ask people living in the scene. But now, if you don't know, you Google it. Living on Facebook, what's love got to do with it? Dreaming of being the next YouTube phenomena. What is wrong with you? I better suck on a thermometer. You got the fever, there's nothing that is stopping you except for the spyware shutting down your monitor. So our topic today is all about blood flow restriction. Luckily, our guest has had 15 years of experience with blood flow restriction, and I'm sure he'll give us the lowdown on BFR. I'm super excited to have a chat with our guest today. I've first seen him in his BFR presentation with the ASCA, or the Australian Strength and Conditioning Association online conference, and just recently got access to the PLAE, or Play Academy, BFR presentation. He has amazing content on his IG regarding BFR, and one of my favorites is the Car Park Chronicles. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Coach Chris Gavilio. How's it going, Ollie? Thanks for um, having me on board. It's, um, it's an honor. So uh, pretty excited today to answer any questions you have about BFR and anything in particular about strength and conditioning as well. In the Philippines, uh, there's not much people using BFR, so I would just wanted to spread the word and how we can use it in rehab or in performance. I mean, amazing guests that we have with you, having 15 years of experience with it. Yeah, thanks. So coach, uh, before we start, I just want to ask um, how your history, how did you start as a strength and conditioning coach? And then when did you get interested in uh, learning or using blood flow restriction? Yeah. So Ollie, when, when I first started in strength and conditioning, there wasn't actually a lot of full-time jobs. There was in Australia, I went to, I, I did sport actually, like I was, did shot put and discus, enjoyed teaching people how to lift and found that uh, I had a, had a reasonably good eye for technique and, and could communicate that quite well. So that just evolved in becoming a strength coach. And at the time, you know, I'd have five or six jobs working part-time as a personal trainer, um, at a school, um, doing a little bit of sport. You know, everyone wants to do sport. And, and probably in hindsight, you know, I, I look back on those first six, seven, you know, I didn't get a full-time job until I was six years uh, deep in the, in the industry and probably thought it was a good grounding because one thing that I get when people talk to me say, what's one bit of advice? And I just say, you just need to coach. And I think that's one thing is, is you could have the long list of academic, um, you know, just different qualifications, but, you know, if you can't coach and you can't connect with your athletes, that's no news to me. So it was really good because you'd have like personal training clients who weren't really motivated. You had the athletes who were motivated, but you had the athletes that they were naturally good athletes. So you had to learn different ways of teaching them how to, to coach. And you know, this was before the internet really took over um, where everything now is at our fingertips with courses, um, not only about, you know, our hard skills, but, but also our soft skills on how to develop our communication skills and, and so forth. So, yeah, I did, I did lots of different jobs, um, ran my own small business as well. So got that uh, taste for entrepreneurial lifestyle uh, and then got my first big break, went to the UK Bath Rugby 
And that was perhaps a real turning point because at the time I thought, I'm going to stay in Australia, forge my career. Uh, I don't need to go to Europe. But what it, it was a really exciting time because it was leading up to the London Olympics. Um, mm-hmm. UK was 2012. Yeah, 2012. 2012. So, so I went over in uh, 2010 and, you know, went over for rugby. Bath, if you follow rugby, Bath Rugby is quite an infamous team and quite an old team and, and beautiful town. Um, but, but fortunate to meet in rugby, but also outside of rugby, some fantastic people. And one person that, that comes to mind who is, I can now call a dear friend is Christian Cook or Professor Christian Cook. So if you're into performance, um, you, you know, like in terms of passive heat maintenance, uh, hormonal, hormonal priming, um, just looking at ways of enhancing human performance. He has, I don't know how many academic papers um, out there, but really applied. So he, he got my first for that, looking at different ways in terms of enhancing human performance, except for let's just get him strong. Um, mm-hmm. So over there at the time, there's a UK sport. And so Christian was working, another guy called Scott Draw. Um, Leon Kilduff. Leon Kilduff's quite a prolific author based out at Wales. Just lucky to meet these people. And um, so I was, you know, just doing my strength and conditioning, still trying to throw shot put. So, you know, I explored on how to get strong. You know, I went from 88 kilos in body weight to 131 kilos in body weight. Um, completely natural. Uh, just learn how to eat better, eat more train better, be a little bit smarter, made a lot of mistakes on the way. And I think that's important. Make some mistakes, learn. Yeah, learning from mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I've made a lot. Still make the occasional mistake. I'm not perfect, that's for sure. And mm-hmm. so then when I was over there, I started to do some salivary analysis with, with hormones, with the rugby players, which formed my PhD. But then also at the time, he, he remember he distinctly threw me this what is an occlusion cuff, but it had no gauge. It was just something you inflate. You put it around your thighs. He said, you know, there wasn't a lot of research on it at the time. I said, we're thinking about using this with some of our athletes in rehabbing knees and so forth. What do you think? Go to town on it. So started researching what was available and started on the journey of BFR and Distinctly remember had, you know, if you're a rugby union fan, uh, South African number 10 called Butch James, um, it just, he is just a hard man on the field. And he'd already had four ACLs, two on each side. Oh. Yeah. And, and did his, did, uh, did a third. So he's fifth in total. And we said, well, let's give this a go. Let's give this BFR thing a go. And, you know, really remember that what he said is, is these are the biggest thighs that I've ever owned. Uh, and, afterwards, and, afterwards the, after doing the BFR? Yeah. So, so he, he hadn't been able to get his thighs to a considerable size because, as you would imagine, like with all those operations and the inhibition and the atrophy um, and then the requirements of having to play week in, week out, it's very hard to build you know, suitable mm-hmm. amounts of muscle, you know, especially in a contact sport, let alone any sport. 
because um, as soon as he was fit, he was playing and he, and he was such an integral player that he had very little downtime and he was so sore just generally. It was very hard for him to get enough stimulus through lifting in the gym to, mm-hmm. to, to get to, to maintain the muscle mass and potentially to maintain the integrity of that whole, whole knee joint or the whole complex. Um, so is that why he kept doing his ACLs? Who knows? But, uh, and then, so we had another gentleman who, who did his ACL and, you know, we had some, some nice success, came back to Australia, missed the sunshine um, that the United Kingdom fails to produce. And I, I was in Edinburgh before. And <laughs> how long were you there for? Almost a year and a half. Yeah, but sunshine is quite hard to get by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and it was time to come home. And, and so came back to Australia. And I remember colleagues from back in England were saying, where'd you get those cuffs from? And this, this was actually before you had Katsu. And then you had, I distinctly remember no commercial product. You could go on the internet and, and go and buy something. Um, and I thought, oh, maybe there's something there. So I found uh, a, a buyer overseas in a factory to, so we got version one of the product that built a website. In hindsight, should have went harder on the website. Uh, now knowing how far BFR has produced or has come along, especially in terms of research, but just in terms of um, the amount of type of different products that are out there. And so because I found it was a valuable tool and I'll probably keep referring back to it, uh, it's a a tool in the toolbox. Um, If you're fit and healthy, there's ways to use it. But, you know, if you're in the gym, load is still king and, and, and i say that quite a, quite a bit um but it's irrespective if you know how to use it really wisely it's, it's a pretty cool tool so from there i just kept reading more because there was so much great information out there and, and i guess there's a lot of people um that would not know how to use it and perhaps use it a little bit incorrectly or not understand its full capacity so you know from there that the product's developed but for me it's about education and as you see by my car park chronicles, my, my deeper message is not about BFR. It's actually yeah. just about, it's just about exercising that we get to the end of the day. I'm sitting in a car park waiting for my son to finish his uh, cheerleading. So you think about any sport, you know, as, as parents, we're sitting there waiting. And sometimes all you need is 20 minutes, some bands, the floor, um, a few odd bits and pieces the advantage of the BFR cuffs, it just amplifies the response. I, I'm, I'm still amazed, you know, every time I go into the session, oh, I've had enough of the day. I just want to sit and just have a little nap in the car, but I know how good I'm going to feel afterwards. So I can't drag myself out as much as I love working out. That's great to know that um, you actually use it as kind of like a, a perk or like a coffee, coffee boost or something like that, right? That's cool. Well, I think it's also you think about exercise, you know, the, the, all the endorphins and the, the positive mental side associated with exercise, um, you know, and as practitioners, you and I know that, um, but you and I are human, you know, <laughs> we get to the end of the day and even we get, well, I get tired. Yeah. I don't know about you, but, um, yeah. you know, and, but it's like, you know, if, if I get into this vicious cycle of, no, I'm tired, I'm not going to do it, you know, two months down the track, I've done nothing and I'm worse off for it. So yeah, for, for me, my health is important and, and that's my deeper message 
and obviously having my son involved and you know just just it's all about enjoying life as well i guess you know just making the most out of it because you're waiting for your son it's good that you actually mentioned about the car park chronicles if people haven't seen it yet it's you in the car park and you're just using the bfr behind the car and some of really stand out exercises of course there's more that you have a warm-up and everything else but sometimes you get two straps on the trunk and then you try to do an iso hold a lunge on the back of the car right yeah and we talk about stress you know to, you know as a strength strength coach to strength coach or to athlete you know it's all about how we stress the system um, traditionally we need a barbell and load um, the advantage of BFR, it's called metabolic stress. So we've been a little bit clever w- with how we're activating similar pathways. Um, but sometimes you need variety in your session. And um, I do really enjoy isometric training. It's made a massive resurgence um, with obviously all Alex and the Tira's run specific work. And I incorporate a lot of that in, with the athletes I work with. And then obviously using bands because, you know, bands are pretty cheap. You can throw them in your car or in your bag um, and they do create that yeah. resistance. So if you wanted to do a little upper body pump at the end of the session, you could do you know, some curls, some upright rows into a front race, for example. Um, and then all of a sudden you've got a really great effect um, for just a nice upper body finisher. You know, Coach Chris, I just want to go back to when you first got int- introduced to BFR because, um, you know, I was speaking to to somebody before before the interview and she was like bfr is it flossing as well so you know you know um you got introduced into the cuffs beforehand but i guess some of the people here are also are in the philippines are used to the floss that they used to the with the knee what is the difference between the floss and the bfr because of course the bfr has a cuff and the floss you can put it on the knee or whatever but from your perspective how would you differentiate it Yeah, so flossing, from my understanding, is about trying to create range or some freedom of movement through blockages in different areas. So depending on where it is, you will um, strap it up, so you will occlude, um, and then you'll go through movements. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, it's trying to then separate like the the fascial from the muscles and, and getting all those lines traveling smooth. Um, yeah, I've seen it with some, I believe, some power lifters and they do their squats. They use all the floss on their, both of their knees. We just want to differentiate BFR yeah. from that. Yeah, so, um, and then so in, in power lifters, for example, they will tend to strap their knees, A, for support, but also um, when you see them walk out, they walk out quite stiff-legged. So it actually gives a level of, as I said, support, but elastic energy to potentially come out of the bottom of the lift. But what we're doing with blood flow restriction, um, we're, we're keeping a known, we want to create a known partial occlusion. And, and I think that's something firstly we need to distinguish is that we're not totally occluding blood flow. So what you're able to do there is you have blood flow flows freely into the muscle. That's the arterial blood flow. Um, and, but we're partially restricting it coming out. So we're restricting the venous return from the muscles so because traditionally we have this oxygen rich blood going to the muscles um, and we have less oxygenated blood able to get in it creates a hypoxic environment and this hypoxic environment 
um, creates this increase in metabolic stress whilst exercising. And what we then look at is, is that the responses in the exercises is, is very similar, in, in particular with resistance training, very similar to high load lifting. And, and in BFR, we look at uh, five main mechanisms. And the first one is you have this increased concentration of metabolites or that metabolic stress. Um, so as you could imagine, you're training and it's get, if you've ever done it before, it, you know, you're exercising and it's getting really tough. It's this hypoxic environment. It's actually yeah. lactate is what it was one of the main metabolites um, that gets. I noticed, sorry. I noticed that when I do it, I kind of run out of breath. Yeah. So you're creating a localized hypoxic environment. So if you've ever trained in a systemic or in a hypoxic room or at altitude, it's quite tough. So you're actually localizing hypoxia, which when we actually look at literature, when lifting in a uh, altitude chamber, chamber has been shown to accelerate strength gains. So we're doing something, something similar here. And this lactate, which sometimes we think is such a negative thing, in this case, it's actually a signaling molecule. Um, and you know, for example, you know, it has an oxidative stress response, and you have all these different um, like stem cell growth and differentiation, and you have all these different cascading growth factors that gets activated or released as a result of this lactate concentration. So that's it. That's our first one. So you have that, and then you have from this, you have an increase in hormonal responses. Um, and this also plays that anabolic response to resistance training as has been correlated really well with um, increased protein synthesis, synthesis you, you know, looking at growth hormone, insulin growth factor, testosterone. So we then start to think about, well, how are we optimizing our, um, our training, our training environment, our physiologically, how we're able to present our body, you know, hormonal priming prior to competition, I think is, is a hot topic um, at the moment. So, you know, if we're able to increase our testosterone because, you know, it correlates mm -hmm. really well with strength, speed, power, but also the behaviors of determination, aggression, um, willingness to compete, willingness to compete again, increasing loading in a session. Um, so you think about you going to a gym and the gym's pumping, you're feeling great. Testosterone is probably a little bit high. Everyone's looking good, mm -hmm. feeling good. You have a greater session. You just keep pushing yourself. So the hormonal response not only plays that um, from a behavior, but from that physiological uh, anabolic response. So then we move to our third main mechanism and we have this stimulation of different intramuscular signaling pathways which are independent of those hormones I spoke earlier. And, and these create growth responses in the muscle. So we start thinking about mTOR pathways, myostatin, um, and heat shock proteins, which when we, once again, we delve into research, increase in heat shock proteins has been associated with um, improvements in, in protein synthesis and strength and so forth. Decrease myostatin concentration. Well, myostatin is a, down regulator of, of strength. So if we can decrease myostatin levels, we're enable to, we're enable, to enable growth. Yeah. Um, the fourth one is probably the one that I think we all can attest to if anyone's done BFI and that's um, the pump or intracellular swelling. 
Um, so when you're doing it, like the, the arms are feeling big or the quads are feeling full. And, and essentially what happens here from a real simplistic viewpoint is you have this increase in pressure around the cell um, or the muscle cell and the cell thinks it's threatened. And as a, resp as a response to that, this signaling response, you have um, protein synthesis um, responses through mTOR and also gene expression um, as well. So it, it, we're activating, once again, activating pathways through this huge metabolic response. And, and the fifth one is muscle fiber recruitment. Because we have less oxygen, our oxidative slow twitch type one fibers tire out really quick. So what's left? Our type two. Um, and it's been fast twitch. The fast yeah. twitch is left recruited. Yeah. So um, we're able to activate our really big fibers, uh, muscle fibers uh, at low loads, which once again, traditionally we need higher intensities or higher loads to get those kind of responses. And then oh, what you do. Yeah, so you have these five mechanisms and essentially you are exercising with them on as opposed to, um, say, uh, flossing, which you're just going through a movement, getting range and taking them off. So here you've got them on either the upper body or the lower body, and then you're choosing the exercises that are appropriate to what you want to achieve. So if it's strength training, you're performing strength training. Um, you can do cardiovascular work with it, so riding, walking rowing, um, swimming even. Uh, so there's so many studies out there in relation to, to BFR. So, so then what you would do if we're in the gym, you know, you'd be doing your, your bench press study, for, uh, bench press session, for example, and, and away you go. And the, the, the question which I get asked about is to say, well, is it how, how what kind of muscles are positively affected with BFR. And the simple answer is it's both proximal and distal, but the key is exercise selection. So if you want improvements in your um, chest, you need to be doing exercises that's going to activate your chest muscles. So bench press comes to mind. Mm -hmm. You want changes in your calf muscles. You still keep them on your thigh. So we've got them now on our thighs but you do your calf raises, even though it is so far away from, the, from where the cuffs are located, but there's enough evidence out there uh, from academia. You've seen some great response with calf work um, that it's key. You just say, well, I need to make sure that I'm choosing the correct exercises. Yeah, and, and the amazing thing there is uh, with BFR, you don't have to get, get a higher load. Like for example, you mentioned it, you can actually start 20% of your repetition maximum. Yeah. So Yeah, and that's, that's the advantage. You start to think about athletes out there or, or clients out there who are injured pre-op or, or more importantly, post-operative uh, when you're coming out and you have this huge atrophy. So you've had an operation or a mobilization due to injury and you have massive atrophy of, of your musculature, which, which poses more mm -hmm. issues. So then the question is, as practitioners, is that, well, how do we um, attenuate that muscle loss firstly? And then how do we get it back quicker when we, we can't even put 
high loadings, we'd use 70%, but, but how can we do it? And traditionally, you know, it, before BFR, it would have been, well, let's use um, electromuscular stimulation, yeah. which is equivocal in terms of a positive effects. Interestingly, there's actually some cool studies on the combined effects of BFR plus EMS. Um, yes, that's together. what I've seen with some rehab uh, rehab presentations on BFR. They have they use BFR and then electric stimulation for post-operative client, uh, patients or athletes. Exactly right. And, and so we're starting to, so once again, I said it was a tool in the toolbox and therefore you start thinking, well, well, how can we even be better than just BFR alone? And even using it passively. So everyone thinks that you have to be doing movement with uh, BFR or exercise. If you look at um, passive BFR, in some world, it's called ischemic preconditioning. Um, so there's some really classic studies around ACLs because it's easy to, to talk in ACLs mm-hmm. where it was a 14-day study. Uh, on day three, they had an MRI. Uh, day four, they started ischemic or, or passive BFR. And what that entails is it's slightly higher pressures, but you inflate it for a period of time, around three to five minutes, and then you deflate it for a small rest period, say two minutes, and then you do that three to four times. The effects of that, it attenuates the muscle loss. So it doesn't completely, you're still going to lose muscle because there's not enough stimulus, but we're decreasing the amount of muscle loss, which is fantastic when you can't move your knee joint or any joint at all. So you can sit there and know that you're doing something better. Now, conceptual, but if you add the concept of contralateral strength training, which where we train the good limb on mm-hmm. the other side, there's actually been known, as you know, there's been, been known to have that really nice effect onto the other limb. Um, so you can then try to do some form of combination training where on the joint that's been operated, you do your passive BFR, maybe you're able to get some compacts on it. And then on the good limb, you're then doing, you might be sitting down with the cuff on your leg, doing some leg extensions, um, some, you know, put the band on the edge of your, uh, on the edge of your foot, ball your foot, doing some, you know, some uh, plantar, plantar flexion, um, mm-hmm. plantar flexion, extension. Anyway, some calf raises. And you spoke about earlier about creating this anabolic environment for the body where we're, you know, gene expression, protein synthesis. How are we creating uh, an environment for the body that promotes healing, continual healing all the time that is purely natural, that has really great effects on the body, no negative side effects. This is one way you could, you could definitely do that. And then when you have athletes, when they're coming, transitioning out from that real acute post-op rehab, they're actually able to accelerate a little quicker coming into return to full function training or just life. Yeah. So you've seen this, um, I guess in your practice, you've seen some athletes coming from post-op and then have using BFR. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, um, so I'm going to talk about car park chronicles. Um, I had a mm-hmm. knee operation. It was just clean out and I had my ACL debride. So basically just cleaned, cleaned all that. Um, and that's all I did is just documented how you can actually do that. Um, but yeah, a host of athletes that I've worked with 
you know, applying that. And, and look, you know, did uh, stress fractures um, or stress reactions, did it accelerate it any quicker than if I didn't use it? Great question, because it's end of one kind of stuff. Um, and it's, it's always mm-hmm. hard to do a controlled study because athletes or just clients is their, their environment so dynamic and it's not controlled like an academic study. Um, so there was an athlete going into Tokyo, which I consulted for. She, uh, she had a stress reaction and wasn't able to do any high load um, work, but you know, could do a lot of swimming, could do a lot of bike work. So we, we turned to uh, cardiovascular work using BFR with low intensity cardiovascular work. So cycling, there's been um, some great studies about um, improving VO2. Now in athletes, I think you're probably more like maintaining a level of VO2 as opposed to improving because, you know, that's lead athlete to budge elite athletes, very hard to do. But in terms of gem pop, you know, you can get some really great gains. You can maintain strength levels. But the other really interesting thing with BFR, it's been shown to activate or increase markers of bone reformation that are associated with typically what we would need is, is like a higher, higher load or a high mechanical stress on the skeletal bone system, which is just fascinating because then you think, well, in that initial phase when someone has a stress reaction or a stress fracture, how, how can we create healing when, when we can't, we've yeah. got to give it time, its own natural time. So if we can somehow release these um, different pathways or or different um, cofactors that are associated with increased bone reformation, um, that's got to have some form of potential benefit. Um, but once again, it's end of one stuff, really hard to, but everyone that uses, they, they make this side comment going, geez, this, just, this was just a little quicker than normal or we didn't expect you'd get there, um, but oh, wow. we were able to. Yeah, so... The best example, if you don't mind me just rambling on here. Um, yeah, sure. So I, I work with um, a couple of decathletes and leading up to Tokyo, um, if you, did you watch the decathlon by chance? Unfortunately, we not really. We, we only had uh, boxing and weightlifting. Uh, That's where we did well <laughs> in the Philippines. So, so in the decathlon, there was an Austra- two, two Aussies, one Australian finished third. And there's this classic picture of this athlete called Cedric Dubler, who he mm-hmm. no hide it in the pole vault. Um, so he was out of medal contention, but he's yelling at Ash. So Cedric is yelling at Ash, like he, you know, Ash was going to win the bronze medal. You, you know, we, we all knew that. And, but Cedric was just there for his teammate, yelling at him. So everyone says, do a Dubler. Now, what people may not have realized is, is that three weeks prior to Tokyo, he tore his hamstring. So grade two, um, yeah, some bit of tenant involvement. And normally we would like, I would say, well, we need six weeks. We need six weeks to get you back to speed and then we'll see where we go now. So the environment that we were in a camp and and I happened to be there. So within two weeks, we got him running at 95% of his top speed. Um, yeah, and what did we do different? Now, the advantage here is that he had physio on call, massage on call. We had a game ready. We, we got a game ready up so we could get it iced. Um, 
he didn't have to stand up and prep his food. So that was an advantage. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've seen in some environments where people get pampered, but still not be right in two weeks. But I did a, a ton of BFR. So I started off on the upper body, just doing like simple upper body mm -hmm. circuits um, to create that systemic anabolic um, hormonal effect. And then I looked to his good leg, doing some work there passively on his torn hamstring. And then we would, um, as soon as he could ride a bike, we had it on and he was doing low intensity because he still needs to be fit to get through 10 yeah. events. So still how can cardio, right? Yeah. And how can we maintain a level of fitness leading into the event? Because he can't, he cannot do the volume of training or that intensity of training, although he's still tapering. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, the muscle fibers compromise. He can't produce any force. And we did a lot of um, visualization as well. So I'd, he'd be on the start um, pretending he's, he's racing, have the pole, although he couldn't actually pole vault. And when he went and competed, um, he, he, was, he wasn't far off his best. And his throws, I think, was the season's best, definitely in the shot. Um, some events were a little bit down, but you know, he was um, probably about 20, 30 centimeters short of his long jump best, mm -hmm. which is pretty amazing. Um, so I've, I've had some amazing uh, responses with that, um, which. That's, that's amazing. I, that you, I didn't know that you were, you were actually in Tokyo. No, I didn't go to Tokyo. Oh, I was in before, the camp. Before they, before we went to Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. I was in the camp leading up to Tokyo. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. That's cool. Mm. So in just two weeks, this athlete was able to like go 90 per, was that correct? Not around 90% of his, uh, 95, 95. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and he had, and he had to see, so it was over 60 meters. So we had to accelerate and for the first 30. So to show you had acceleration capability and also then, so zero to 30 and zero to 60. Um, and he did that. Like, you know, when you kind of, it was almost anticlimactic. It was like, do you want to do another one? Like it was, it was easy. Like it, um, <laughs> you know, it was really easy. Uh, but the amount of work I poured into to Cedric, um, you know, the poor guy thought he was tapering for an Olympics, and I said, mate, unfortunately, yeah. you've got to work. You got to work hard yeah. all the way through. So, so tapering yeah, meaning you're lowering the volume. You were supposed to be lowering his volume, but then because of the injury, you had to maybe lift the volume a little bit. Yeah I, had to, yeah, I had to, because we had to get that muscle strong and we had to yeah. do a level of, um, you know, when, when you're rehabbing from an injury, we've got 10 events where, well, kind of 10 yeah. events that we're looking after. So we have to keep touching on the skill because you have to understand, like, how does the hamstring respond? Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be slightly different requirements in the javelin to the discus to the shot put to the high jump to the pole vault you know to all the different events you know to um it's on a different stretch or on a different requirement some's rotational some's linear and so you just need and you, for mentally I, I, I feel you need that confidence that when you get to the start line and go well i've done all these events in training mm -hmm. And I've got no problems with the hamstring. So I'm, I'm taking care of that mental side as well while trying to. That's such an, a cool story. Thank you for that. 
Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, one of my proudest moments. I mean, I have lots of proud moments, but you know, to to get him on the line in under three weeks, just wow. Amazing. Movement Revolution podcast. So lucky you were able to share that here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries. I'm glad I could uh, debut it out here for you. Coach Chris also has his own podcast, and I just want to give him this opportunity. Yeah, thanks, Ali. So I have a podcast called BFR Radio, and I talk about all things blood flow restriction. And on that podcast, I'll either review a, a paper which I think is relevant or I'll have a guest on that uses BFR who's got you know really interesting uh, story to tell and, and on that so my Instagram handle is at Chris Gaviglio um, or this, there's a 2G so at Chris Gaviglio and on that there there's tons of videos on you know how to use BFR and little um, summaries on some of my podcasts and there's a YouTube channel as well, which is Sports Rehab Oz. That's AUS for Australia. And, and on that, a lot of the content I have on Instagram sits on YouTube. So whichever one you prefer. And they're all in their playlists, you know. So if you, you know, what to do for decreased joint soreness, what to do if you have a sore knee, um, or my car park chronicles will sit on there as well. I have a Friday finisher. So if you wanted to, if you want to bundle three exercises, you, you're finishing off with an upper body session and you can actually do these without the cuffs on. Um, however, the advantage is two sets and you're pretty much done. Um, so there's, there's tons of content out there as well. Um, and, and then obviously, you know, if you, if you are training with BFR, you can always contact me through, through my website, um, sportsrehab.com.au and you know we, we can talk about how um, I could actually personalize your own BFR training for yourself so th there's lots of little options out there but for me it's about um, educating the users and demystifying everything about BFR. Thank you for tuning in. This ends part one with Dr. Gavilio. I hope you can check out part two of our BFR series in season two of the Movement Revolution podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to ollie at opadvancement.com or my IG olivercgp.advancement. Our opening and entrance tune is called www from Haina's Rhymes. I would like to thank Ron, Arya, and Andy for inspiring me to share great content via this podcast. These are just thoughts going through my head. A moment of reflection that you soon forget. Imagine a world without the internet, where you can't download your intellect. These are just thoughts going through my head. A moment of reflection that you soon forget. Imagine a world without the internet, where you can't download your intellect. Hashtag trending, Snapchat, Insta, Periscope, Esports, BuzzFeed, Tinder. So many ways to meet people online. No one ever has one talk at a time. Messenger, WhatsApp, groups pinging everywhere. Better make it happen now. Wait a minute, no one cares. People press like, they think it means something. Everybody's real like should mean something. Now, if you don't know, Wikipedia, who remembers encyclopedias? If you need a holiday, Expedia, Skyscanner, Airbnb, much speedier. The shopping online make us greedier. But it's even to the needy now easier. I can't even hold it together. WWW, we write whatever. New tech outdates, we can phone updates. Can't really 
late, why wait? Search for new mates, enough when it's private, it's all in the cloud. Is this a maintenance even allowed? You used to shout from the hills to be proud, a good signal will sort you out now. Virtual reality is high definition, the secret to the things in your life you're missing. Blog your way into the big time, achievements only exist if they're online. Apparently people used to use landlines, agree to a mutual place and time. But what happened if they changed their mind? I went about sat nav, how did they find it? Midnight stuck attack, have a copy cabbage patch, technophobic, there's probably an app for that. These are just thoughts going through my head, a moment of reflection that you soon forget. Imagine a world without the internet, where you can't download your intellect. These are just thoughts going through my head, a moment of reflection that you soon forget. Imagine a world without the internet, where you can't download your intellect.